Welcome everyone to the Daily Kofepi. Today is Friday, the 31st of May, 2019. I am joined, as always, by the bad Mama Jamma. Today in a hat, Carrie Smith. Good morning, Carter. Good morning. Um, we had some personal stuff. Well, you had some personal stuff. I was just so bumming around this morning. We haven't actually talked about what we're going to talk about this morning. We've got a bunch of things on our list um, that are possible. Some positive things. I was thinking, why don't we talk about some positive news? You want to talk about positive? Is there a lot of positive news? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> do tell, Carrie. What's all the positive uh, news? Well, up to the- I mean, I'm going to take small victories where you can get them. I saw that uh, this actress, uh, Meryl Streep, said that we should not be using the phrase toxic masculinity because it singles out boys and makes them feel like there's something wrong with being a boy. And I completely agree with her. And I, th- I was like, oh, maybe the tide is turning. If somebody, you don't usually see celebrities going against the status quo that way. You don't, I think yeah. Meryl Streep just didn't get the memo that we don't care about little boys anymore. <laughs> Or maybe the tide's turning. Maybe people are sick of <laughs> PC culture. Who knows? I thought that was kind of positive. Uh, although her act, I mean, she's at the end of her acting career. I doubt like a 25-year-old woman actress would say that. Or or man, like it doesn't matter. Uh, mm. I, I doubt. But maybe. Good. I, I will take it as a positive. Yay, maybe the tide is turning. I, I think mean, it's positive. But already Jezebel, if you look up Meryl Streep and Toxic Masculinity, there's a ton of hit pieces on her now. Jezebel's like, Meryl Streep does not know what toxic masculinity even means. I like Meryl Streep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's kind of positive though. I guess, but not, but it makes me think of another actor, which I, I feel like I have to at least mention, which is Jesse. Uh, oh, Jesse. The police docs were released today, or part of them. Yeah. And I have two comments. Well, I'm probably more knowing me. But one comment about the docs themselves is just a, a quick summary from what I can tell. Interestingly enough, the reason the Chicago Police Department was mad is they were told that he would have to admit guilt, pay a fine, and do community service. And that's not what actually happened. So they were mad when this all happened because they, they stopped investigating because they, told, they were told, like, oh, he's going to admit guilt and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not sure what the details, I haven't read through all the docs, but that kind of makes sense about why the left hand didn't seem to know what the right hand was doing in Chicago. The, the other thing that, unrelated to Smollett, and we could talk about Jesse Smollett if we want, but I don't really want to talk about him too much. I will say that uh, here, this is his Twitter profile. His, like, he's like, he has a messiah complex. I'm simply yes. here to help save the world. And then he has this statement so it's, you know, I'm simply here to save the world. Nothing is more important than love, which is like a trite kind of cliche thing to hear, but he attributes it to himself, I think, because he has dash JS, like I said that. Nothing is more important than love. That's my quote. I said that. I came up with that. Look at my eye. Look into my eyes. Don't I look like Jesus? Uh, okay, so anyway. I have, this is more than just celebrity stuff. I've, I've, I shared this screenshot yesterday because he makes me think of he's, he's a sociopath. So that I am simply here to save the world that that's not just celebrity 
hubris or narcissism. That's like a level of egotism and a level of self-delusion that reminds me of just in that one sentence, it reminds me of a couple different books, uh, Fatal Vision by Joe McGinnis, which is about the, the Green Beret killer, Joe uh, McDonald, Jeffrey McDonald, um, this, the doctor who killed his wife and kids and said it was hippies. Um, it reminds me of OJ's book. I don't know if you've read OJ's book, If I Did It. Um, they both, those two books, even though they're very different, reminded me of each other a lot just because you're in the head of this person who is is, is narcissistic, has a huge ego, but is also so self-deluded that they believe everyone is going to believe them despite all evidence to the contrary. Like it's like a um, Ted Bundy kind of thing. Now, and then I know all psychopaths and all sociopaths, like most sociopaths don't commit murder. Like Jesse Smalley is not a murderer, but I think I read that sentence and I, and friends of mine are like, oh, you're reading too much into it. I'm like, no, I mean, this guy staged a crime. He thinks he's here to save the world like a messiah. You know who else thought he was here to save the world? Charles Manson. Charles Manson also had this, he like, it, he, he was trying to start a race war and they staged the scene of some of their crimes to make it look like black people had done it. Um, they wanted the pop the population and cops to think it was black people so they could start this race war. Well, look at Jesse Smollett. He stages an entire crime and then tries to make it look like white people did it. And I'm like, I, anyway, I, it just sent me on this tangent of thinking about sociopaths. And then one other just really quick thing, you could pull this up to see. A friend of mine yeah. suggested I read the book, The Sociopath Next Door. And I've actually read part of that book a long time ago. I forgot about it. I need to read it, read the whole thing. But the cover of the book, the sociopath next door. It looks like. Oh Jesse. my God. It's Jesse Smollett's. <laughs> oh my God. Pull it up. Uh, this is the cover of that book. Wow. I mean, there you go. And I, and his eyes and his cover photo of Twitter. I was like, if somebody out there watching us has skills, please Photoshop him onto that book. I oh, I have enough skills to do that. That's easy. <laughs> Okay, good. I'll, you. I'll, I'll, you want three Jesse Smollett sets of eyes all on the sociopath next door? Done. That's easy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry you go off in a murder tangent, but he just made no, me... No, that's okay. I think like the only way in which you and I would disagree here is that I think everything you just said is completely true. And um, I don't think he's different than most celebrities. You think most celebrities are psychopaths or sociopaths? Sociopaths. Yes, I do. You know what? I think you might be right. But, or that there's a greater... High, very high. Average. Not all. I didn't say all. Not right? all. Right. But greater how than different than Melissa Milano? I mean, there's a lot of people like this out in Hollywood who view themselves as special. Um, and I actually, I was wondering why. I was trying to think about this this morning because it, I, I, don't, I don't know, but I wonder if... You, it's imagine being in a career. It's hard for a lot of people, I think, to even wrap their head around being a celebrity, right? Like being in a career where you're just so much attention and so much adoration, and what you're doing really at the end of the day isn't really meaning. I mean, it's meaningful, making people laugh or entertaining them. Like, yes, there's meaning and value, and I'm not trying to detract from that. But you're not curing cancer. You're not like a hero. You're all of that adoration is really undeserved from like a moral perspective, it's undeserved 
completely, basically. I mean, you should be admired for your job, but it's, it's kind of, I would imagine it might fuck with your sense of self to get all this kind of undeserved attention and, and, and love and praise and kind of know deep down, all I'm doing is reading some shitty lines that some crappy writer wrote about some bullshit no one cares about that's wasting people's time while they sit on the couch and watch Netflix. I'm not actually helping society in any meaningful way. And yet here I am loved. And I, I guess you could kind of feel bad about that or maybe you could go the other way and be like, I guess I'm a God. Like maybe I'm deserving of this love. There's something innately special about me that yes. I get to, to read shitty lines and have a career. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. That way. But actually, so I read a study that said psychopaths are, there's, there's a greater than average number of psychopaths who are surgeons as well, which makes sense because they are kind of coldly removed, um, maybe are better able to do, perform the job of surgeons, you know, clinically. If you think about um, yeah. uh, cutting into a body or something, you know, it's not something I don't think most people, and that, again, I know there were surgeons probably watching, not all surgeons, I'm just saying averages, right? Averages, same thing. No, with- yeah, and just to be clear, I think a lot of people, when they hear the word psychopath, they think of a, a rabid axe murderer. Psychopathy is just a condition where you actually don't experience the emotion. You don't have empathy. You can't experience no the emotion. You, you, you mimic, you can mimic the behavior of people around you and feign empathy but you don't actually feel it. And you can actually, I think you can put someone in a functional MRI and, and watch a psychopath's brain. They don't, those areas of their brain don't light up. They don't feel empathy. Um, it's my understanding. I get, a doctor can correct us, but um, it's, it's, that, a real, it's a real condition. It doesn't mean you go murder people. You could just become manipulative or use it to your advantage and be a surgeon and probably not have a great personal life, but be a really good surgeon. I don't know. I mean, but, most, most psychopaths are not murderers. So, but if I were, if I could study Jesse Smollett, I would. <laughs> Smollett? I think it's Are we inter- I, Smollett? Smollett? I don't know. I just think it's Smollett. Smollett. <laughs> Who's that Target? The Target camera caught you say Smollett. Je sais Smollett. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. The, you know, the other thing about this story, which is unrelated to him completely, but it's a frustration that I've had several times in the past six or eight months, and I, I don't know if you share it, is, and, and this is really more revealing about the mainstream media, when I look up, so I knew the docs were released, right? Articles all over the place. They released docs. They released these docs, um, and more are coming next week. No news story links to the actual documents, nothing. No outlet, CNN, ABC, Fox, CBS, NPR, no one, no one links to the docs, no one. I had to find a, it was like some law blog <laughs> where they like linked, and, and of course they're on Scribd, but if you search on Scribd, you can't find them very easily, so I, I don't, but they are on Scribd. But it's really telling to me because if I, I just, if I put my journalist hat on, I get that. I get that. Just the raw information needs to be interpreted, and someone needs to write an article about it. And I and that's helpful, and I'm appreciative of it. I haven't read all of it, and and these these people read the docs and they put their summary out for us. That's fine. But if I were a journalist, I would think that every time I wrote about these, one of the critical links I would have 
aside from all the SEO links that you need to link back to your other articles and, you know, increase your rankings in Google, one of the critical informational links I would add would, here's the raw evidence. Here's the raw documents that I'm talking about that I used as source material to write this article. Nope. And it never, ever, ever happens. It didn't happen with this. It, I've not seen it on, I can't think of one major story where there were source material and any of the major outlets through all of their coverage ever linked to the source material. Ever. They don't want you to look at the source material. That's they want to be able point. to yeah, they want to be able to tell us what to think. Yeah. So. And, and that is scary because it, you know, if I didn't have to go, then, I mean, the reason this, this has cropped up for me in the last six or eight months is I've started to want to be able to talk about this stuff publicly. And so I really want to know the source material. And so I've had to go find the source material, right? And if I didn't need to discuss it, I might just give up and be like, I don't care. This is, you know what? I don't care enough. I'm just going to, I'm just going to skip it. And I think a lot of normal people just skip it because it takes time to find the freaking source material. And yeah, yeah it's just a little time. Maybe it's only five or 10 minutes, but five or 10 minutes is five or 10 minutes. And you, you shouldn't have to do that. It should be right there. And people just give up, I think. And I think that's intentional. Like you said, they don't want you to know the source material. They want you to get the information from them. And you're not supposed to look at it yourself. And which is, which is proof that they're not journalists because that's not what a journalist would do. A journalist would say, here's the source material. Here's a summary and analysis for you. So you don't have to read all of it. But if you want, it's right here. That's what a journalist would do. And none of these people are journalists. They want to keep us dependent on them. Yeah. Like they want to keep us clicking on their sites and they want to be able to, to dictate what we think to make their opinions ours. And so, yeah, why include, and they do this with videos and stuff all the time. I, I didn't used to notice it because of course where I used to reside politically, but um, I started to notice there when they, I saw a bunch of hit pieces coming out about Milo Yiannopoulos and they would be describing videos and stuff, but they wouldn't put the video in there. I'm like, why can't, why can't I watch the video and make up my own mind? You're telling me what to think about him. Yep. Yeah. And that's the biggest red flag. And I think, it's important for people to notice. Anyway, I don't, you know, we don't have to belabor Jesse Smollett. We can talk about other stuff. You, there was a, so you thought the Meryl Streep thing was a positive? Yeah, and there was another positive another thing positive. I saw. You, I think you think the Ted Cruz and AOC thing is positive. Oh, I just, I was at the dentist and I was just scrolling through and I saw, I don't know much about it because I just saw they were talking to each other on Twitter about co-sponsoring a bill or something to make, so, so go ahead. No, go ahead. I've, if you're going to well, explain it, it go ahead. It just seemed like it was a bill to uh, prevent congressmen from becoming lobbyists after they've served, right? Something like that. Yeah. So she tweeted out, if you're a member, I can put this up on the screen. If you're a member of Congress and leave, you shouldn't be allowed to turn right around and leverage your service for a lobbyist check. I don't think it should be legal at all to become a corporate lobbyist if you've served in Congress. At minimum, there should be a long wait period. So she said that. And what happened was Ted Cruz said, responded by saying, here's something I don't say often. On this point, I agree with AOC. Indeed, I have long called for a lifetime ban on former members of Congress becoming lobbyists. The swamp would hate it, but perhaps a chance for some bipartisan cooperation. And so, and then a, you know, a few more tweets Got exchanged. She said, if you're serious about it, 
you know, I'm on board, blah, blah, blah. So you're excited about this, Carrie. Why? Because the two sides are never, we're in such a, we're in such a polarized climate that they never get anything done and they never talk to each other. And even if this is just for show or whatever, it, it seems it's nice to see people from across the aisle saying, let's do this one little thing maybe that we could do together. I just think it's good. You, they should be working together. The, the Democrats well, need Republicans and Republicans need Democrats. It's just that we're in such a toxic stage of, of political polarization that, that you would think that they don't, that they're not meant to work as a cohesive unit. Well, that's one way to look at it. Yes. Okay. Uh, how do you look okay. at it? I don't, I don't normally vote. Um, but when I did vote, I always voted for gridlock. I don't want the sides to work together. I want them to not work because anything that they do always makes things worse. They always expand government and add laws, increase taxes, add, start wars. They always do stuff that I don't like. So for me, I love gridlock. Gridlock is perfect. <laughs> no. It's exactly what I want. Gridlock, gridlock, gridlock. Just yell at each other, ad hominem, back and forth all day, get nothing done. I'm on board with that. Let's do that. Really? You just want to break Absolutely. Them? Absolutely. Yes. Unless they're going to be rolling back stuff. If they're going to reduce the size of government and roll back stuff together, fine. But they never do that. So uh, even this, I mean... This kind of sounds nice, like, yeah, I don't like lobbying either. It is a problem. Sure. I mean, congressmen should be banned from breathing, but banning them from being uh, <laughs> lobbyists, fine. I get it. But, you know, the truth is, this whole corruption in politics thing, everyone, in my opinion, almost everyone looks at this completely backwards, right? The problem isn't that there's money and people that want to bribe congressmen and congresswomen, the problem isn't that there's a, there's a market for bri like people wanting to bribe the government to get them to do things. The problem is that the government has the power to do things. So long as the government has the power to regulate industry, someone will find a way to take senators out to baseball games and give them hotels and hookers and planes. And like, it's the power that corrupts. It's the power to control my competitors and my industry to have a massive impact on what I'm doing in my private life. That power, as long as that power exists, people will fight over it and they will fight over it in any way they can, whether that's underhanded or above board, it will happen. And the idea behind the founding of this country, and I, I do think there's a lot of flaws in it, but the idea behind the founding of the country was Congress doesn't have power. They don't have the power to do this. They can't do this. So if they can't do anything, well, you can't corrupt them because they have no power over you, right? That was the idea. Now, of course, we, you know, we've strayed from that and that idea can only be supported by a culture that supports that idea. But, you know, so I, you know, I, I view things so you like- I don't think the government should be regulating anything about industry. Anything- Absolutely not. Oh. No. I mean, look, ultimately, I'm an anarchist. I don't think the government should do anything. Uh, but, you know, I, I mean, even, even the libertarian perspective, right, even just the, the minimal government perspective, right, you're in the, I'll, we can just talk about the libertarian worldview. It's, it's, look, 
or, or ideal is generally something like this. The government should have a military for defense only. The government should, uh, states should have like police to enforce laws for uh, like murder. So non-aggression, basically the, the, the libertarian position is kind of the non-aggression principle should be somehow uh, implemented by the government. So if they have, should have courts, they should have police, uh, they should have a, you know, self-defense from military of self-defense, but they shouldn't regulate anything. It's not the federal government. And, and actually from a constitutional perspective, that's accurate. Like constitutionally, the federal government shouldn't be doing any of this, any of this. This is all, you can argue about whether the states should do it, but constitutionally, the federal government actually doesn't have the power to do 98% of what it does. Just people ignore that. And, and we've got courts that will approve of it. But really, all this power really belongs to the states. And, and what's been allowed under the Commerce Clause, the Interstate Commerce Clause in the Constitution is, is a joke, right? It's just been, it's, it was the wedge that got in, basically, as far as I understand, that's the wedge. And all this stuff has happened. But yeah, I mean, the libertarian position would be, it's none of your business to regulate industry. What, what right do you have to point a gun at someone and tell them how much they can or can't charge for something or how much content of blah, blah, blah should be in X, Y, Z? It's none of your business. People are free. Stuff like, what about, I mean, I'm just asking because I've never entertained this idea before. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing because it seems. You can laugh at me. Everyone laughs at me. That's fine. <laughs> it's absurd. But, <laughs> but I don't know why I believe what I believe. And I don't know if I believe it strongly. Uh, I'm just trying to think of regulations that I, that I think, we, like, what about the FCC regulations on, like, candidates having equal airtime or. Oh, on, what a disaster. That's. Okay. <laughs> Why? Oh my God. I mean, so then you have to, I mean, think about the app. I mean, just from a practical perspective, think about the apparatus you'd then have to build. Like, well, Carter and Carrie had a program that was on YouTube. Like, were they kind of pro cruise and anti AOC or pro AOC and anti cruise? And what percentage of what? And what does that count for? And do they have to now talk about Elizabeth Warren because they mentioned blah, blah, blah. And oh, well, was it really opinion or were they doing news? Are they all opinion or all news? Do we, do we have to have people listening to all the radio programs and forcing them? I mean, this is what happened when they tried to implement this at the radio level. It, it, uh, you know, you had, um, you had basically the death of talk radio in many ways because you're like people didn't want to hear this one side. It wasn't interesting, and so, you know, they had to cut down the stuff people did want to hear. It's and you've got to have little, you got little bureaucrats in there deciding like, what are the sides and who counts as what? That's my job. Like, it's like busy, it's, you're like, you're elevating like this fucking annoying narcissistic busybodies to this position of like monitoring who's saying what everywhere. It's ridiculous. If you don't want to listen to something, turn it off. And the idea that the government owns the airways in the first place is completely ludicrous. Right, like oh, oh yeah, Maxwell, the Maxwell equations were were invented or discovered. Oh, there's this thing called electromagnetic propagation. Yeah, uh, we own that. License it from us, baby. Like fuck <laughs> you, you don't own shit. They don't own shit. Like where the hell did that come from? Where does that come from? It's just, it's just a big gang that says that they own the whole lunchroom. They okay. own the schoolyard. You got to pay the bully. I guess I'm just so used to thinking of the government as one of their functions 
maintaining fairness. And so... Because <laughs> you want the government to be daddy. There is no fairness, Mary. The government's not your parent. Even no. your parents parents. I mean, they weren't... I mean, not everyone's parents were good parents. Well, put it that way. <laughs> but what, what about... So... So what if all the net networks decided just to give like 100% of their coverage to one political candidate and not to the other? Great. Go ahead. What if they did? What do you think would happen if they did? Interesting. What, what would happen? No, seriously. What do you think would happen if all the networks were like, fuck it, we're never going to have pick your candidate that you like Ted Cruz on or whatever. You like, you like Ted Cruz, I think. That's why I'm picking on Ted Cruz, whatever. Or you liked him better than Beto. I like <laughs> We're never going to have Cruz on. I like his beard and I like him better than Beto. Right. Um, How much legitimacy do you think they would have as news outlets if they did that? Yeah, not very much. So maybe it would lead to a war. I mean, you know, the, this, the coverage, the, the fair coverage gives, it gives, the other thing regulations do is they give businesses cover for uh be for fairness right so this is the thing i think a lot of people also don't realize happens in regulation this is why zuckerberg wants facebook regulated right as soon as you have regulation of an industry it's a signal to the general public that you don't have to use your brain to think about that industry at all mommy and daddy are taking care of it for you you don't have to worry if it's biased you don't have to worry if your meat is poisoned or not you don't have to worry about anything Mommy and daddy have sanitized the world for you. That's what regulation does. And so it means that if you have a, you, you have a network that is talking about a candidate, everyone sits back and goes, well, it's regulated. So I assume they're giving equal time to both sides because regulation guarantees it. And they no longer are held directly accountable to their customers. It's why Facebook, Facebook doesn't want to be held accountable to its its users, because its users are getting pissed. Facebook would much rather be able to say, hey, 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 we're meeting regulations. Go, uh, go to Washington and lobby. We're, we're following regulations, right? And big businesses, I've talked about this before, big businesses love regulation because uh, it prevents small businesses from competing with them because regulation is expensive. So, you know, it's, a, it's, it's odd to me that the same people that rail against monopolies and big business think that business should be regulated because that's how, like, that's how you <laughs> ensconce big business and make it, like, unseat, like, you, that's how you give it a, a seat at the table forever and prevent small businesses from competing is you regulate. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, well, you've given me, you have given me a lot to think about. I mean, this is one of those topics I just don't, when I started reevaluating everything a couple of years ago, I realized how many positions I held that were not necessarily my own, that were just my tribe's position mm. that I had never really explored or taken the time to explore. So, yeah. uh, it takes a long time to do that. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I'm not. Look, I, I know I ranted. Oh no, I don't mind the rant. I enjoyed it. I, I, it gives me stuff to think about. It just, that's, I mean, that's the way conversation should be is like, I shouldn't have to have an opinion on everything. You should be able yeah, to no, say, I, I don't I know it. enough about this to have an opinion one way or the other. I think I believe this or I used to, I'm not really sure why. Let me think. <laughs> Let me think I mean, so. one thing I would encourage anyone thinking about any of this stuff to, and you know, I've had a progression in my life of, you know, I didn't wake up one day and be like, I'm an anarchist. 
Uh, <laughs> but I think it's important to think about really seriously, like what is the nature of government? What's the purpose of government? What differentiates government from other organizations? Like what's the essential characteristic that defines government? And those are big questions and they involve morals and ethics. And they like, when you start to unpack that, um, you know, I, I think things can get really, really interesting. Some people go a different direction than I did, right? And they get full on socialist is their answer to some of the stuff, right? But at least, yeah, I mean, they, they can go that direction, right? So, I mean, I think it's important to, to unpack and, and figure out like, you know, why, why do you think what you think? And one phenomena, I, there's a name for this. I think there's a term for this, but I don't remember. So we'll just leave it. This is related to, you've used the analogy before of the, the common analogy of the frog in the pot boiling, blah, 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 right? But one kind of corollary to that is if you ask people, you go out on the street randomly, maybe not during Trump, Trump derangement syndrome era, but generally you go out onto the street and ask people how things should be in any area of industry. Like what should the FCC regulations be like? Or what should the FDA regulations be like? Or how should murder law work? Or whatever, it doesn't matter, anything. The general consensus is like, oh, the way things are now is about right, right? <laughs> because, because, I mean, and all, all that is is a reflection of a frog saying, the temperature of the water right now is about right. It's like, uh, okay, it's about right because you're used to it. I get that. <laughs> this is the norm. You know, this is the norm. But, you know, 100 years ago or 200 years ago, do you realize how vastly different the norm was? right? And how different the norm is in other countries and how different it could be, right? And so I think a lot of people just don't, they look around and like, yeah, this is about right. Maybe I want to tweak this thing over here, but this is about right. This is nowhere near about right. This is a clusterfuck. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I just Sorry, like you, you, sent me a, you sent me a link. Hold on. <laughs> oh, I thought we should end on a positive note, something we can all agree on. Okay, Carrie, you want to end on on this. <laughs> it's a good beard. Describe, describe why this is the positive ending to the show. We're people only listening. We are oh, watching. Oh, oh it's a just a picture of, of huh? yeah, Ted Cruz's beard. That's all. This is a picture of Ted Cruz with a beard. Well-trimmed. A well-trimmed beard. Yeah, and he must have gotten a good stylist. Like someone yeah. who came in and just redid his whole image. But I'm still not sure why we're looking at this. Are we looking at it because he looks better in a beard? Is that the consensus? Yeah, he looks better. And even I saw like Salon and a couple of other liberal sites were doing opinion pieces about how they like the beard. The, by the way, the caption here, I don't know where, from jpost.com says, is the key to Middle East peace Ted Cruz's beard? <laughs> so I don't know what that means, but okay. I'm neither. But, uh, I thought AOC was Ted Cruz's beard. Oh, uh, I don't really get it, but okay. You don't get it? <laughs> I kind of, I guess. You know what a beard is? I know what a beard is, but why would she be his beard? Oh, I don't know, because they're to get together now. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably a bad joke that I'll cut. Um, <laughs> just, just cut, like, me not laugh, have the joke, and then have me laughing right after. <laughs> But it wasn't, no, because that's not fair. It wasn't deserving of laughter. What if you just started sweetening all of your... <laughs> just play laugh tracks. I say, I say dumb dad jokes and I just record moments like this where you're laughing hysterically afterwards. Sweeten it all. <laughs> oh, yeah, she thinks it's hilarious. Um, 
Uh, right. Okay. Well, happy Friday, everybody. Sorry, this is this was a little all odds and ends, but I appreciate yeah. the regulation conversation. Thank you. It was odds and ends, but it was fun. So, all right. Have a great weekend, everyone. Don't forget to press the subscribe button. And I don't know. We'll see you next week.